Hello there and welcome to Almost 30. Welcome everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. We're honored you're here. We've been doing this for about seven years and it's really cool to grow with you all. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many OGs here. There's so many new people and yet we kind of all meet each other where we are at and continue to like commit to growth and it's really fun. It's deep. It's a whole spectrum of feelings, but doing it together feels so good. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I love you guys. You're so respectful and kind and cool and intuitive. It's just, it's it's been so meaningful to be a part of this community for this long. I have so many people that talk to me about you all the time and just say how incredible and in touch and kind the Almost 30 community is. So I'm so grateful for you. If you're new, welcome to Almost 30. You don't need to be any age to listen. We are a health and spirituality podcast that likes to keep things light and funny and interesting. We like to push the bounds of what you know people are talking about and sort of go out there and go super woo-woo. So if you're down with that, welcome, subscribe, <laughs> rate, review. We would love to have you mm-hmm. each week. Yes. And today, you know, it's just an example of one of the things we love to do at Almost 30, which is explore different areas of study and modality to get to know ourselves better. And what's been cool over seven years of doing this and trying basically almost everything, it's like having the discernment and intuitive feeling of like what really resonates with you and what doesn't. So for one person, it might be astrology. For the next person, human design might resonate a little bit more. For the next person, numerology might hit. For the next person tarot might hit or astrocartography. I just want to empower everyone listening to take what really lands and incorporate it and continue to get curious about it. Anything that doesn't leave it. But Nadine Jane is here today. She is a very well-known astrologer um, with a gorgeous, very, very informative, cool Instagram, Mm -hmm. by the way. It's like one of those accounts that I just love to follow. It just, I learned so much, but she has a new book out. It's called Magic Days. And (laughs) this book is so cool. She and I talked about this. Like it reminds me of the book that my grandmother had of like Mm -hmm. the astrology of every birthday. Wow. That's cool. Your grandma had that. Very cool. That's very, very yeah, she was, it's, it's funny because I remember like my family being like, oh, we called her the grand exalted Libra because she's a Libra. That's amazing. But this book is like the modern version of that plus numerology, Mm -hmm. tarot. It has obviously astrology, And so this is like a journey throughout the year, every single day. And it's the astrology of the day. And then also, if you're born on this day, talks more deeply about that. So I've actually loved having it like on my bedside and looking at people and looking up different days. It's been really, really beautiful. You need to look me up. I need to find find mine. I think I probably already have. I know. It is. (laughs) You go through the list. You're like, Mom, dad, sister, boyfriend, husband, best friend, like uh-huh. all the birthdays that you know, you're like, wow, this is so them. Totally. I did remember seeing this at a store or coffee shop, and I remember thinking it was so beautiful. Gorgeous. And numerology is actually something we haven't talked about yet on the show. So I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we had a conversation about numerology. I think when you get into the esoteric space, kind of the occult space, you can learn a lot about how numbers, basically our universe is built on numbers. The matrix was you know, essentially that idea. So understanding numerology is super important. And I think numbers mean a lot. You know, when we think about angel numbers, you know, I think all of us love to see an angel number every once in a while. So how can we understand numbers in a deeper way and use it for our benefit? Yeah. I was 
definitely acting as an audience member of like, wait, so, okay, do we add the numbers together? Do we like, because it's, there's different ways to determine the numerology of your birthday of certain things. So we really walk through and then we walk through the significance of each number and how to work with it. Yeah. But I love this conversation. One of the interesting takeaways from the conversation with Nadine that I think about still to this day is we talked about your rising sign and your descendant sign. So most of us listening to the show, if you're kind of interested in spirituality, you might know your big three, which is your sun, your moon, and your rising. If you don't, no worries. You can find out very free online. But your rising sign, she described it as what you had to be when you came into the world and as like a a child. So like the family that you're born into, the family system or the environment that you were born into, you had to be this sign. You are a Virgo rising. Virgo rising. I'm a Libra rising. My sister's a Libra rising. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oldest. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. I can totally see that's an oldest thing. You kind of come into the world and you're like... Yeah, we can go into it, but it's 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 like you are brought into the world as the first child and you I've been thinking a lot about so what was I intended to be for my parents? Oh yeah, babe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of That's interesting huge. healing around that, but what she said was that that is your rising. That's who you had to be when you came into the world and what had to die is your descendant. So the way you can determine what your descendant is, is look to the opposite side of the chart. The opposite side from Libra is Aries. The opposite side of Virgo is Pisces. Which is my son. Which is your son, which is not always, but it's interesting to think about. And it's my north node. That's, I mean, that's so wild. I know. So I just need to be more Pisces. Yeah. Coming back to that. Mm -hmm. Mine is Aries. Like the fire in me had to die. That like, yeah, just kind of that... um, I don't want to say stubbornness. I want to say there's a freedom. There's like a creativity in yes. Aries. Like yes, Natalia, one of our friends, yes. is the ultimate Aries, and like we'll be on the phone, and she'll be like building a table from IKEA. Duh. Like we'll be walking That's down the street, and she'll talk to a stranger for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It is like it's Aries. Life is wild. Totally, I love it. I love an Aries, and I think because, and it's also my North Node, which is kind of what you're meant mm-hmm. to like become more of this life. But I I sometimes get ex- exhausted by Aries, and I wonder what that is. is. That my resistance to it? Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get exhausted, uh, and I don't think it's because of my astrology. My I get exhausted because I'm such a person that's based on connection, and if I don't feel like I'm connected to people, oh yeah, I'm. It's really because they're for kind me. of like yes, oh, yep, yep, exactly. Yep. That's mm-hmm. why you know an Aries is hard for me. Um, Gemini's are hard for me mm-hmm. and it's not as much my sign but my desire for connection and yeah. feeling that heart connection that I want so when someone's all over the place it's it's hard for me totally it's totally. it's beautiful like there's moments where I witness it I'm like this is the dream I know like and I always feel connected to Natalia it's not even about her but it's like just that experience of me wanting this specific mm-hmm. frequency of connection and not feeling like I have it yeah yeah completely but yeah, my des- my thing in life, and I, be- I think that was such a profound point because I've been thinking about that lately, how I need to be more of my Pisces. And that's the true soft me that not a lot of people get access to. And when I did Days in the Darkness, which I had, you know, podcast episodes about my darkness retreat experience, 
I was thinking a lot about that because for me, the Virgo is that perfectionism. Yes. It's like that. I've got it all together, that conditional. Mm -hmm. I am perfect. I've organized. I am professional. I am successful. And then the Pisces is really that like emotional side of me yeah. that's super artistic and creative and mystic and even healer that I think is the real core of me. So I love my Virgo so much, but my Virgo is pretty overdeveloped. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel the same way about the Libra. So that was a really big takeaway it's for huge. me. huge. I cannot wait for you all to, to look at that for yourself. I'm excited for you all to dig in. And Nadine's just so lovely. We had such a great time and she's been in the game for quite some time. And we also briefly chat about her transition from being like a graphic designer in corporate world mm -hmm. and kind of how she transitioned and how that really aligns with her astrology and the um, trans. That's huge. That so many people want to do that in our community. Yes. So many people are in jobs that they like or may not love or maybe they hate and they want to transition to a more spiritually yes. aligned job. So that's huge. Mm hmm. So thank you so much, Nadine, for joining us. You can learn more and get magic days at nadinejaneastrology.com, nadinejaneastrology.com. Yay, enjoy this one. Definitely share this with a friend. So if you found inspiration, insight, if you want to talk to your friends about their rising signs, about their North Node, about you know all of these things about numerology, this is a great episode to start conversation with people that you love. And then you can also subscribe to Almost 30 wherever you listen to podcasts. Almost30.com has our courses and programs like the Life Edit, Sacredness of Being Single, The Law of One. It also has our community. Our community is this beautiful place on the internet where people that are interested in spirituality, health, and wellness can meet, connect, and grow. So I highly suggest checking it out. All right, y'all. Enjoy this one, and we'll see you on the other side. See you soon. So part of my new morning routine is having mud water every single day. And it's something that I look forward to so much. I'm someone that gave up caffeine because it doesn't make me feel good, especially as someone that's super sensitive. So I wasn't able to have that morning beverage that felt creamy, that felt like something I was looking forward to until mud water. And it's changed the game for my energy levels and my morning ritual. Yeah, I've been loving it. I actually... I'm caffeine free as of a few months. And this has been just a great addition. And I'm also kind of a snob when it comes to quality yes, of like the, the ingredients that are in there. So I'm like looking at the label and I'm inspecting it. I'm like, are we are we good here? Um, but truly they're so purposeful when they add these ingredients. They have added lion's mane, which is just an incredible mushroom for focus and alertness. Cordyceps, which is great for energy and physical performance. Chaga. There's turmeric, cinnamon for antioxidants. And it's 100% USDA organic, which is really important. It's not sprayed with anything. Non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher certified. So yeah, every single morning I have my little mud water ritual and I just feels so good. It's so good. So I'll do the hot water in my kettle. I'll put mud water in in a scoop and then I'll put stevia and then I'll put a creamer that I'll sweeten with stevia too, pour it on top. And it is so incredibly delicious. And I can't say enough good things about taking breaks from caffeine or, you know, coming off of caffeine altogether, not to trigger anyone that's like a huge coffee addict, do you? But it's felt really good in my body to be off of caffeine, be reliant on it. And mud water has helped me have easy, really great energy levels through the day.
So if you want to try Mudwater, go to Mudwater, M-U-D-W-T-R dot com slash A30, and you will get 15% off when you use the code A30. So that's M-U-D-W-T-R dot com slash A30. Use the code A30 for 15% off. My life can get a little crazy sometimes, as much as I would like to think it's under control, but thankfully I have Daily Harvest and it has my back so I can do more and I can do less in the kitchen. It means that I have stress-free meals delivered to my doorstep, aka I'm able to have organic, amazing fruits and vegetables any time of the day without leaving my home. There was at one point that I tried to calculate how much time I was saving because I'm like, this is crazy. Wild. I'm able to, whether it's put in a flatbread or just toss a harvest bowl into a little saucepan, takes freaking five to 10 minutes, not even. And I have a healthy meal. Whereas before I'd be chopping things up, I'd be sauteing, I'd be like kind of going through a whole process. And I just don't always have the time. So their harvest bowls, soups, flatbread, snacks, smoothies, lattes, and more all live in your freezer. So they're not going bad, which I love because sometimes I can't eat fast enough. And they are so freaking delicious and creative. Yeah, they're amazing. I love that they work directly with farmers to source the best ingredients. And then it freezes them at peak ripeness to lock in flavor and nutrients. They never use artificial preservatives or ingredients. I was always wary of having things in my freezer because I thought of them as food that was sort of out of date or out of touch. But these are actually incredibly nutritious and incredibly thoughtful any time of the day. Yeah, I had an artichoke and spinach flatbread the the other day. I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I need. And actually, lately, I've been loving their soups. They've been so good. I had a tomato and zucchini minestrone soup the other day. Um, But if you are looking for just a really easy and healthy way to nourish yourself and your family, let Daily Harvest do it so you can do more of what you want to do. Go to dailyharvest.com slash almost 30 to get up to $40 off your first box, which is a major discount. Dailyharvest.com slash almost 30 for up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash almost 30. Okay, we're here. We're in New York. I'm so excited. So Krista and I like split up interviews at times. Most of the time we are in LA together when we're recording. But when we get to split up, I always wonder, like, what is the lottery going to give me as far as interviews in New York? And I was so excited. I was like, let me sit down with they need. (laughs) And I was telling you earlier, our community is just so curious and just sort of obsessed with astrology and just really knowing themselves better through different modes of, I guess, what would you call it? What do you call astrology and human design and numerology? Divinations, I think the fanciest word, but I kind of hate that because that used to go over my head before I became a professional astrologer. So I think um, spiritual seeking or attempting to understand how the world works through an esoteric practice. And it was funny, you know, during, I feel like, well, our Saturn return did overlap with the beginnings of almost 30. And I was able to really dig into different, we'll call it divinations for the moment. And that is the time that I really felt like I was getting to know myself. Yeah. Like for the first time there was language 
to who I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was almost like my my soul was starting to speak a little bit more loudly, or at least I was starting to listen. And so I just had so much fun learning and getting super curious. And there were some divinations that didn't speak to me, and there Mm -hmm. were others that really did. So astrology is certainly one that spoke to me and still speaks to me. And I'm excited to talk about numerology today Mm -hmm. because I am very green in the realm of numerology. And I will ask all the questions for us (laughs) because I'm sure a lot of you out there are also not as familiar But I would love to just start with where you are. And I know sometimes we go back in interviews where we're like, tell us your story. Yeah. I actually want to know where you are right now and what is like top of mind and heart for you, Nadine, not just Nadine, the astrologer. Yeah. I love that. Can I say something super quickly though? When the Saturn return happens, things solidify for the first time. So Mm -hmm. you guys starting your podcast during that time speaks to longevity it speaks to uh, loyalty. It speaks to, you know, something becoming more concrete in each mm-hmm. of your lives. So it's actually really symbolic to have started this business or this podcast in in that phase of your guys' lives. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. No, thank you for that. It's felt. I definitely feel yeah. it. It's been an incredible teacher for us. You know, almost 30 is a triple Virgo. And um, <laughs> of course. Of course. But And she's so curious. She's so curious. Yeah. And I just feel incredibly lucky to have this mirror, you know, this mirror in my work, this mirror in my business partner, and just the ability to be so freely exploring the world through this medium. So mm-hmm. thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yes. So where I'm at is I'm smack dab in my Saturn return. So Saturn no way. is conjunct my natal Saturn. And so I'm meeting you when things are crystallizing for me to okay. some some degree or another. But I think I think what I'm the most curious about in my life right now, which is really what the book uh, kind of came to be, was um, I was an astrology junkie, to be honest with you. I mean, I that from the second that I discovered my own birth chart, I was insatiable. It was like more information. I would sit at the bottom of the strand in near Union Square and I would just read every, you know, woo-woo book that they had. And I kind of became obsessed with attempting to predict what was going to happen in my own life. And then to add on to that, I was doing it professionally. So now I'm doing it for an audience and I'm also doing it for clients. And what happened during this Saturn return for myself is for the first time I recognized that for me, not for everyone, Really utilizing astrology as my only way of understanding my life and other people's lives kind of kept me in a state of hypervigilance of, you know, Saturn's going to move into Aquarius tomorrow. Oh, my God, it's going to mean X, Y and Z for me. So I've just been really curious about, in some ways, navigating my own boundaries with these spiritual practices, because I'm sure I'm not alone in this. The second that you get a mirror to yourself you don't really want to look at yourself anymore. You just want to look in the mirror. So yeah, I've just been curious about for my practice, both personally and professionally, mm. how can I help myself and others navigate the balance between looking at yourself versus seeking out these practices to tell it for you, if that makes any sense. Totally. I saw this amazing astrologer, I forget who posted it, but they said, when you find yourself going for that, you know, 
15th reading in a month, you know what I mean? Asking the same questions, it might be time to just look inward. Yeah. And so long story short, that's, I think what I'm the most curious about is, is how do you have boundaries with these things? And they're beautiful and they are, I think, divine. And yet at the same time, we're humans and we have to have our own spiritual experiences outside of reading a map or reading a guide or something to that effect. Yeah, I really love that you brought this up because <laughs> I feel like Krista and I are hamsters, you know, in this <laughs> world of spirituality. We've done all the things. Yeah. We've had all of the readings. We've learned so much about ourselves through different modalities and have healed so much through different modalities. And we have moments, and I'm really glad that we are at this point where we have the awareness where we say, I think I'm good. I think I'm good on like getting the next psychic reading or doing breath work and then this and Mm -hmm. rig, you know, it's like, it's so beautiful, so helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think there is, you know, a deep, deep calling to be with thyself, quiet and just being in the world because I found myself at times, especially during my Saturn return, because I felt so, yeah, I felt so like out of control at times and out of body that I really sought out those answers to ground me a bit. And, you know, I realized how dependent I was on them and how I was like thinking about, well, maybe I should just ask so-and-so. And that always felt a little off, but I still did it. And now being in a place where, you know, when I do seek guidance outside of myself, I usually take how I receive the guidance, how it lands within me, and then I practice. Yeah. I practice in my own life and within me where I notice, oh, you know what? That feeling that I'm having that they noted in that reading two months ago, yeah, that's coming up again. I'm kind of feeling that in you know, my heart center. And I, you know what, I really haven't expressed myself in quite some time to my partner or whatever it is, right? It ebbs and flows. And I highly, highly, highly recommend to people. And we have been recently, like, you are your own guru, like top of the list. You are your own guru. We've heard that before, but really, are you practicing that? So How have you, especially in your Saturn return, listened to yourself more? Like, what has that process been like? And what does that look like on the day to day? Good question. Well, one of the things that was the most humbling to me is that I think I can safe to say no close to everything that my birth chart has to say about me. And how humbling it is to know all of that and not know yourself. That's a really, really Mm. wild experience. And, you know, the birth chart says you're rebellious, you're, uh, but you're also whatever. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I won't go into the specifics of my chart. But for me, what had to happen is I took a break from my practice. When I was writing this book, I didn't do readings. I wasn't posting content. I wasn't writing horoscopes. It was devastating because... I am a work. I was. I don't necessarily identify anymore. I was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. I derived so much of my self-esteem around my career. And so for me, what it looked like and still looks like is if I'm really uncertain about something, I don't want my first place to go to be the chart. Yeah. I just want to sit with it. 
And so I think what I practice on a daily basis is not knowing. And especially with clients, I pray before every reading and I say something to the effect of like, please remove this idea that I know best and let me just be guided by something greater than myself or whatever. And so, yeah, nothing too profound except just that I practice trying to feel my way through life rather than intellectualize it. And as much as astrology is so gorgeous, it's undoubtedly one of the most cerebral of the spiritual practices because there's a literal map. It has a science base to it. To some degree, it's absolutely pseudoscience, but there's astronomy involved here. And so, yeah, I think just kind of letting go sometimes saying, I don't know. I've kind of met that concept later later in my life. And um, at times it can be, you know, overwhelming. You can kind of lose yourself in the ocean of how you're feeling. Has there been an emotion or a feeling that you've met that has revealed something to you that's really, yeah, just enlightened you on who you are and, and what's made you you? Yes. I'm not exactly sure what the emotion was, but I didn't realize that I had been reading people, as many of us kids do, my entire life. Mm. And so what I've recently been surprised by is the fact that the next thing that I work on, I don't know what it's going to be. I want it to be from a place of like joy and fun. And as much as holding space for people is so profound, it's really the coolest part of my job. The fact that I can meet a stranger across the world and we're going to have an, I mean, same with you for Mm -hmm. your job, Um, immediate intimacy with the person. But what I'm curious about and getting to know is the side of me that doesn't want to have to read people and what would she create if it wasn't just mirroring someone back to themselves and instead it was you know creating something from just myself so there's a lot of grief there of just feelings of like wow this was also born out of a very profound coping mechanism as a kid and then at the same time, some of our greatest gifts, I think, unfortunately or fortunately, are born out of those experiences. I want to give that part of myself some space to just what would she want to say? What would she want to create? Because I think I built my entire career around mirroring people. I used to be a graphic designer. It's the same thing. You are all about what is the client feeling, doing? What are they trying to say? So, yeah, I think. Mm. Do you ever find that in your? Yes. But you guys do. I love the sessions where it's just you and Krista. But like, do you ever? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, my head's going to fall off. I'm nodding so hard. (laughs) Just to note, yes, both graphic design and being an astrologer, there is that mirroring and comes out of a coping mechanism. And it's just fascinating and very cool to know the moment or season of your life when you were a graphic designer that you were feeling this call and you were kind of pouring into this passion. You know, it really was a passion. Maybe it was also a coping mechanism, but I think it was just this like deep reverence and connection to astrology. And so I'm sure there was a bit of grief around leaving your graphic design identity going into astrology. And now you might be at a point where you're also just wondering, okay, not what's next. It's just like, what else is here? And I, I totally relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's in both of our charts and, and everyone's chart a place to look at this, which we can talk about. But I've always felt it 
challenging to be with something for a long period of time because I feel inspired and alive when I create new. Mm. So some people might look at that and be like, you can never stick to any, you know, you don't stick to things and you kind of move on and you don't finish and all that stuff. And that's what I told myself when I was younger. But I just think there's this desire to know myself more and more. And so the expression will change because like my desire to know myself deeper is changing. So, and that has a correlation for me. Some people I think have a job and they go to their job and they experience fulfillment elsewhere. Yeah. But with what I do, I have to feel connected and I feel incredibly connected to almost 30. And I do feel this kind of rumbling inside of me that I'm like, okay, like who am I, who am I without almost 30? Not that that's on the horizon, but it's just something that I such an important question. think about because I think that question leads to perhaps another thing that I am meant to create. I don't know exactly what that is yet. I have feelings about it, but we don't allow ourselves to temporarily divorce from that identity because we're like, well, but Instagram knows me as Lindsay from almost 30. And if she's not Lindsay from almost 30, who the fuck is she? She's not. You know what I mean? And same with you. I mean, you on a grander scale. No, anyway. I was going to say so many thoughts. But one was it's your moon in Gemini. I mean, I don't know the right. I'm sure there's say other no stuff in your tarp. Um, <laughs> but so so I love that hunger. And then but the second thing that I was thinking is so I've now gone through two of what I would call like death cycles in my career, the death of the graphic designer. And now it's not the death of being an astrologer. It's the death of the way that I used to navigate astrology. I don't necessarily feel certain that I won't continue to be in this space. And I can't tell you how many people were like, but you have such a big Instagram following because I took so much time off. And everyone's business advice was even if you you don't feel called to do it anymore you know you should ride this wave as long as you as far as you can take it and I think that that's such a disservice to the fact that likely all of us are channels for something we don't need to shit on our channel meaning we don't need to capitalize on it in such a way that we're kind of betraying what the original intent was And so I think it's beautiful when people, especially my clients, decide that they're ready to move forward. Because I think in the most honest way, it honors the chapter that you were in. It's being respectful to whatever you were doing prior to not stay in it for too much longer. And then lastly, just to bring in astrology, there are what's called progressions in a birth chart. Have you heard of that? Yes, but I don't know what that means. So you're a Virgo sun. Let's just use that Mm -hmm. as an example. You will, over time, in fact, you likely already have, your son will progress out of Virgo and into Libra. And then eventually, maybe 30 Mm -hmm. years later, you're going to progress out of Libra and into Scorpio. And it says to me when I look at a client's chart, you're not the same woman you were 10 years ago. Why would you pretend to be? It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, And so one of the things that I think has been so humbling to me when reading people's charts is, I used to be the type of friend who was kind of judgmental when people would change. I'd be like, you're not being authentic to yourself, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and then when I stared at charts, I was like, people progress. They, they yeah. change. And so very long-winded way of saying, like, I think it's beautiful when people have these conversations with themselves because then 
you're likely going to do a greater service to the work that originally got you into this thing in the first place. So wait, how often do you change in a progression sense? So is that every how many years? So it depends on the planet. Okay. But I'll talk about the big ones. The sun progresses every 30 years. So depending if you were born on, like, let's say you were born really early on in Virgo season, Mm -hmm. like zero degrees, which would be just the first day of Virgo season, it'll, at the age of 30, you'll progress into Libra. Let's say you're born later in Virgo season, let's say at 15 degrees, so 15 days into the Virgo season, at 15, you will progress into Libra. So basically, it takes about 30 years for someone to progress into a new sign. So when I see it in a client's chart... It's usually the biggest news I have to tell them because it happens so not often, right? If I happen to meet with a client and their son just progressed into a new sign, I'm like, no wonder you sought out a reading. Your whole identity has changed. Of course, you need an affirmation of some kind and mirroring that because it can make you feel crazy. It can make you feel like you're not yourself anymore. People will tell you things like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, that's kind of extreme. And so I think progressions are a wonderful acknowledgement of the fact that you're not the same person you used to be. And that's completely reasonable and okay. So is it just the sun sign? So basically, I would go from being a Virgo to a Libra sun. Mm -hmm. But think about it this way. The DNA of your chart is Virgo. Right. Can't change your DNA. Okay. What you can do is you can dye your hair a different color. Totally. You can dress a different way. You can just navigate the world in a different way. Mm. So think about a Virgo walking around the world with more Libra energy. Suddenly, all of that nervous energy turns into maybe more of a peacefulness. They might seek out things like meditation, yoga. It's just a phase where they're kind of like, well, I'm a little bit burned out on Virgo. I'm tired of perfectionism. (laughs) It's also... It's very true. (laughs) Potentially a time where they're less interested in the hustle, more interested in intimacy and partnership, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the more interesting one that if you were a client of mine and you were having these questions around professionally... The place I would look at is the midheaven, which Mm. defines the career and the birth chart. Yeah. And so the midheaven explains to me fundamentally what is this person's purpose in the public. And then by progression, that may be their purpose. But how can we, you know, kind of twist and morph that into this new era of which they're trying to present? Okay. And the midheaven, I'm familiar with... North node, south node, generally, but midheaven, what is... Great question. I'm going to pull out my chart, not for a reading, but more so if we reference, I also have Krista's chart. I love to. So I just, let me put my display on do not lock so we can have it at all times. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the midheaven. So... If the ascendant, the rising sign, is our first impression and how we come across to other people and also, you know, our earliest childhood coping mechanisms, the midheaven is another point in the sky and it's the highest point in the sky at the moment that you were born. So if you were literally to look directly up when you were born, that would be the midheaven. That's what constellation was up there. So what it says to us is this is their highest exaltation in the public. This when they are the most visible in the sky, a.k.a. most visible Mm -hmm. in society and in the world, what would be the best manifestation of themselves? And they are, of course, great size and shadow size to each sign. So we can see that in public figures. We can say that person's certainly being their midheaven, but they're not. They're being the shadow side of the midheaven. I'm not so pleased with that. But yeah, let me look at yours. 
So this is my favorite app. I'm so happy you guys. Oh, yay. Okay. I have the Time Passages app, which I love. It's really my preferred one because A, they launched way before the storm of astrology happened. So I can't help but have profound reverence for OG people. But secondly, (laughs) I think their design is good, but I think that that's why they're not as popular as the design isn't as maybe millennial. I kind of like that it's kind of old school. It just feels nostalgic to me. But anyways. (laughs) Oh, gorgeous. This is your chart. Yes. You have a Midheaven in Leo, which says to me, the highest manifestation of your professional life is authenticity, vulnerability, being a beacon of hope and optimism for Mm -hmm. others. But it's very contradictory to your Virgo son. Your Virgo son's like, don't look at me. I just want to be of service. Let's turn it over to the guest. I'm not exactly thrilled to be talking about myself right now. Mm-hmm. And then your midheaven in Leo pops up when you just realize maybe some of the best episodes I've done is when I did talk about myself and yeah. when I was being vulnerable. Yeah, it's interesting. Yes. So okay, midheaven, and I I, I want to yeah check Krista's as well because I think it's interesting to see kind of that correlation with each other. Our charts are wild side by side but oh, uh, really? <laughs> so Krista's a I know uh she's a Pisces sun she is a Sagittarius moon and she is Virgo rising mm-hmm. so more than likely without looking at her chart her midheaven should be Gemini but that's mm. an imperfect guess I can't know that okay for I'll, certain I'll check that's interesting because she, she, anytime someone says Gemini, she's like, ooh. <laughs> it's like my moon is in Gemini. She's like, oh, there's a moon in Gemini. <laughs> I'm like, that is not fair. <laughs> also, it's so hard not to, but the generalizations about signs are so funny it's to wild. me. And besides, every person has Gemini in their chart. Every single person has Scorpio in their chart, hmm. the two most hated signs of the Zodiac. So why, I, why is that? Because everyone has all 12 houses within them. Mm-hmm. And so what that says to me is even if, let's say, Krista has no planet, personal planets in Gemini, Gemini still rules a part of her life. And so when I always tell clients when they come into a reading, they're like, hey, Scorpios. It's I'm like, <laughs> well, why don't we unpack your Scorpio house and see what within you you deny or you reject? Because very often when we're repulsed by a certain sign or, frankly, another person, it's likely unaddressed parts of ourselves that of we have exiled and decided that they're not OK. So See, that's really that's really helpful. And I think that, you know, going back to where is the boundary between just kind of being with self and knowing and understanding yourself without seeking outside validation or what have you like having that as a piece like astrology as a piece to kind of direct you to that part yes that you might not have looked at in a very long time or ever yeah and that's kind of what I'm interested in where I'm really appreciative of different modalities where I'm like oh yeah that that okay I'm gonna go over here and work (laughs) have you heard of IFS internal family systems yes yes we had Richard Richard Schwartz on the pod I love Richard Swartz, but Amazing. yeah, there is such an intense parallel between parts work in the chart. So when I was in doing IFS myself, I was like, oh yeah, that's my work. So we spent so much time with my manager, which is just the part of you that's kind of, you know, the person on the yes. front lines engaging with other people. And I was like, oh yeah, that's my Virgo rising. Like, of course, that makes so much sense. And so I didn't end up doing this, but during parts work, I wanted to get a tattoo for every single part. That I had met, aka every single part of my chart that is 
a part that I had met. So wow. So so you can correlate the parts that you met to various placements in your chart. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. It's, can you give me another example? Yeah, I'll think about you. Um, so Gemini Moon, Libra, Rising, mm-hmm. Virgo Sun. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just begin with your manager. The person who comes to the front lines for you, Lindsay, is she's accommodating. She's diplomatic. She first and foremost looks to keep the peace. I very much consider and wonder why that part had to come into being as a child. And so I'm not speaking for you, but for some clients, they were the diplomat of the family or they had two warring sides of some aspect of their life that they had to bridge the gap for. So yeah, she's the part that very likely needs healing to let her know you don't always have to be the person who bridges the gap. You can sometimes just let people be at war and it's not your zoo, not your monkeys. And at times, what can be nurturing to a liberalizing part is this notion of you can disagree with people. You can have confrontations. You could be the person who starts the war and perhaps it's a worthwhile battle. And so, yeah, I could go on and on, but I think And then like, for example, the moon very likely is the part that is both the most tender, nurturing part of you. And at the same time, likely the part that got messed up along the way due to either mom or your perception of mom or your perception of the matriarchy or the Mm. lack thereof, (laughs) the feelings of the oppression of women, et cetera, et cetera. So very often when I think about the moon as a part we have to untether her from mother to to be able, you know, your guys' episodes on the mother wounds. So it, what's that? What's that? Yeah, Bethany Webster. Bethany Webster. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's the queen of the, the moon. Course, she yeah. knows. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's such a fascinating correlation. I never, ever thought about that with the connection, your moon side and your connection or relationship to or what you observed in your mother or mother figure. Wow. Okay. I'm going to be sitting with that all week. This is really a part of astrology. I feel like we haven't really unpacked. So I had a question about if you mentioned like, for example, in my chart, there's kind of this perhaps call to become more fiery, become more, you know, starting a little war, but for the purpose of perhaps bringing more truth, et cetera. And my north node's in Aries. So can people look to their north node almost as like a a guide in that sense when you're looking at the, yeah, is it always opposite the rising? Is that true? No, but it is in my, yeah, that's so weird. Okay. So when you're presenting as your rising sign, which is what you bring to the front lines and you perhaps are being called to maybe bring a little bit of the opposite, for lack of a better word. Would that usually correlate to your North Node? Because that's what you're moving towards? No, but it's a great question. I think what you're getting at, well, I can answer it in two ways, but I think I intuitively feel like you're asking this one road that we can go down. So there's the ascendant, which is your rising. Yes. But then there's the descendant. And what I think so fascinating about this, I love to talk about this with clients, If the rising sign is who you had to become, then the descendant is who had to die within you in order to survive. And so I'll give you an example just for myself and I'll give I'll do yours as well because yours is pretty profound. 
what was rising for me was Virgo, which is I'm going to be logical. I'm going to be perfect. I'll be precise. I grew up with uh, chemistry professor parents who are literally the smartest people in the entire universe from an academic standpoint. And but what had to die for me, my descendant is Pisces. I had to let go of my illogical side. There's something beautiful about being illogical. That's where the spirit world happens is when you say, I might not be able to explain this thing. I might not be able to put words to it. It's very fitting that my Virgo rising went into astrology of all practices, because like I said, it's the very closest thing to science that you can get in the spirit world. And um, so I'll use yours. What was rising is she had to, in some ways, could not not become Libra. She had to be diplomatic. She had to be accommodating. She had to be peaceful. She probably likely had to squell every feeling of anger that she had within herself. And then what had to die is Aries, which is a part of you that in a positive way is selfish and the positive way knows what she wants. The positive way is hungry for passion, Mm -hmm. for aliveness, for not always having to calm the fire but the part of you that wants to activate the fire. So what I love when reading clients' chart is I'm like, you need to get in touch with your descendant. Many of us, all of us are hypervigilantly in touch with our ascendant. And so what about the part of you that had to die in order to survive? Now that you and I are adults and we can reparent ourselves, let's bring that descendant out of the shadow. It's literally where the sun sets in the birth chart. And so I just, I love it. And by the way, the descendant is within the seventh house of long-term partnership. So that's why we attract people mm-hmm. who have what we don't. And so, you know, it's not just yes. our romantic partners. It's our friends, it's the people yes. we're jealous of. It's, by the way, the house of open enemies. So it's the people that we don't get along with. And very. so what I always ask myself when I'm very envious or jealous of someone is what am I denying within my descendant that this person is embracing? And so for you, potentially, partnership is a great teacher of how to activate your own fire. Oh, my God. I mean, for sure. My my husband, number one, yes. he is incredibly, yeah, there's a lot of fire there, but he's also Pisces, Cancer. It's interesting. Gorgeous. Capricorn rising. But there's a lot of, I don't know if it's fire. Yeah, I guess it is fire, but it's just this directness, this... Yes. This like self-assured has to be he seeks truth. He does not like to mince words. He does not like to have small talk. It's just let's get to the deep and the truth and be super direct. Sometimes I tell him, I'm like, it's your tone, your tone, your tone. (laughs) Like we got to soft. And he's like, you're teaching me to soft. And I'm like, I know, but you're teaching me to really be in my in that more fiery yes. I know what I want I know who I am at least you know as much as I can and um it's been such a big teacher Krista is also someone in my life um like that in a different way but for sure has taught me so much about really stepping into communicating like my needs and um yeah we've been mirrors for each other for a long time and in the best way. Yes. So when people look at their descendant, that is the opposite, opposite. side. Okay. Just opposite wanted to side. clarify. So so many apps, for example, don't list your descendant. 
Right. And so if you're listening, you might be like, okay, Nadine, well, how the F do I find out my descendant? It's just the exact opposite sign. So if you're a Capricorn rising, you can just Google what is the opposite sign of Capricorn and it's cancer. So you don't need to know these things off the top of your head. Um, With Krista's rising, I just want to give another example. Krista's rising is Virgo. Okay. I won't use her because that's mine. I'll maybe use your partner's, which is Capricorn, and then we can move on. But okay. So let's say your partner's Capricorn was rising. Think a lot about the ways in which that person has to become the masculine, has to become the parent, the masculine parent in many ways. Cancer and Capricorn is rising signs, parentified child on steroids. There's literally taking on the role of whoever, whatever parent was absent or whatever quality in the parents were absent. And so when I think about Capricorn rising, I think about the way in which we say, I'm just going to go do things. Like I'm just going to, I'm just going to like white knuckle it. I'm just going to whatever. And then what had to die is the sensitivity, the huge desire to be nurtured. That's the rejected self of like, you know, that quote unquote, what the Capricorn rising would call it, the crybaby within me. Let's just put him to bed and let's just, you know, lock him in a closet so that we can do what our family needs us to do, which is be mature, be a strong person, quote unquote. So usually there has to be a softening or an untethering of someone with a Capricorn rising. So mm-hmm. I think about your planets and I think that's a nice balance to yes. be able to say, you can come home, you can just relax, you yes. can cry, you can do whatever. Yeah, it's been so beautiful. And that is more accurate than I've, I've never heard anything more accurate <laughs> in my life. Can't wait to tell him because I'll think it's so fascinating. Yeah. I was not always a work at home type of gal, but as of late, over like the winter season and now kind of creeping into spring, I am actually loving the convenience of working out at home, kind of having my whole routine happen in my home and Aloe Moves, I honestly cannot say enough about this platform, has everything I need no matter what mood I'm in, no matter what my body is called to do. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Yeah, I was someone that thought that if I was working out at home, I wouldn't get as good of a workout and I wouldn't see results for some reason. Like I couldn't hold myself accountable or I don't really know, but it's been actually really beautiful to save my energy. And as an empath and someone that's very sensitive, I didn't realize that going to classes all over LA or all over the city was really draining my energy. You know, being around people, being around loud music. So to stay home and spend more time at home in the morning to move seamlessly from my meditation to my workout and then to my shower and on with my day has been incredible. And I really love their bar classes. I love Tani Janae. I think she's so good. And I really like to do a sculpt and a bar at home to get strength, but not something that makes me feel exhausted or too sore. It's like the perfect thing to make me feel strong, long, and lean. Mm -hmm. And I love that you know, I can pop onto the platform and I can choose the duration of the workout that I want to do and the difficulty as well as the specific category. So I've been like on a Pilates kick and I've been loving like a like a 15 to 30 minute Pilates session that's, you know, a bit more intense, but gets it in in a quick period of time. And I do have to say it doesn't hurt that every one of these workouts is in this like just beautiful environment. It's like such a joy to watch. And all of the instructors are so, so professional and good at what they do. You know me, I used to be a fitness instructor, so I'm a little bit critical about that. And this 
platform is just so, so top tier. So I'm excited for you to try lots of fresh content every single month that is added so you will never get bored. It was voted best wellness app of 2022 by InStyle Magazine and best yoga app of 2023 by Women's Health. So for a limited time, Aloe Moves is offering our listeners a free 30-day trial plus, get this, 50% off an annual membership that is so major. But you can only get it by going to alomoves.com and use the code ALMOST30 in all caps, all caps. Go to alomoves.com and all caps code ALMOST30 to get a free 30-day trial plus 50% off an annual membership. Alamoves.com code almost 30 in all caps. Okay, I'm sure everyone out there listening, if you're listening to almost 30, you are always at the ready to unlock your true potential of your body and your mind. And we're so excited to introduce you to a product and really a way of living that we have found to be incredibly impactful for our health and more. And it is Analemma Coherent Water. And this is a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well-being. And Analemma has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATP levels, which is the mitochondrial energy of your body. So it's like the light body. And ATP is directly responsible for powering the majority of cellular processes in all living beings. So increased ATP levels result in improved athletic performance, enhanced cognitive function, improved cardiovascular health, and positively affects almost every area of your health. It's so powerful that drinking analemma water improves the state of your microbiome as well. I know so many people are interested in having a really healthy, balanced microbiome. And so drinking coherent water leads to improved digestion, enhanced immune function, reduced inflammation, it improves mental health, and also helps reduce the risk of most chronic diseases. So what is analemma? Okay, so it is this wand that you use, I know, sounds like, wait, what? So it is this wand, a crystal wand filled with mother water, which takes about a year to create. And this water is highly structured. And so when you stir it in your unstructured water, by the properties of water, it uh, forms structured water. So you are drinking beautiful crystalline structured water. So it is harmonious, non-chaotic. And in this day and age, we really have to be mindful of the type of water that we are consuming. So after you filtered your water, I just stir it up for about 30 seconds And I swear to you, not only does it taste different, but it feels different. I felt like my skin looks better, too. I was thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're made up of water. Yes. Like, of course. Being mindful of the water, I think, is such a powerful thing. And it's really powerful, too, that Analemma has recently launched a whole house unit, which I cannot wait to get. So with the whole house (laughs) Analemma, you can get the blessing of this water in every part of your house. It is also now conducting a 100-person study to examine the effects of analemma water when bathing in it. So they're now doing studies. They're doing a lot of research on the water, which is really powerful. The early results of this are really phenomenal. Every individual in the study up until now has experienced a significant improvement in many cardiovascular markers, such as cardiac output and stroke volume. So they're seeing benefits 
right now for people that are not only drinking the water, but bathing in it with their whole house unit. So imagine having more energy, a healthier gut, a clearer mind, and a youthful body. With Analemma water, it all stops being a dream and you can actually have these things. So take the first step towards unlocking your true potential and try Analemma water and revolutionize your life. So visit coherent-water.com. Every purchase comes with a 100% money-back guarantee, so you can literally taste the difference risk-free. If you don't like it, send it back. But I'm excited for you to get this incredible wand that you will just stir in your water every single day. Coherent-water.com. Join the water revolution and use the code ALMOST30 for 15% off. Code ALMOST30 at Coherent-water.com for 15% off. I've noticed that it is imperative that when I incorporate supplements, it's as easy as possible for me to take because I will create my own resistance. Know that it could be enjoyable. Honestly, I was like, oh, you just have to take a pill. It's whatever. But having their liposomal delivery supplements has been the most pleasurable and amazing experience for supplements. Yeah, I stick them in my purse. I put them in my backpack. I'll have them like if we're traveling on the road and it's just made staying healthy in this way and supplementing in this way so so easy i just wanted to shout out one of my favorites i know you have some favorites too but i love their magnesium so this is a liposomal form of magnesium l-threonate and it is really amazing at crossing the blood-brain barrier so you're really getting the magnesium to your brain it's an essential mineral that is used for 80% of the body's function. So it's something that we absolutely need and not not many of us are getting enough of it. Yeah. So I just love this. And it's this vanilla chai flavor that I'm obsessed with. It is so good. I'll put it on my oatmeal. Mm-hmm. It's really delicious. It's like a frosting almost. Yes. And liposomal delivery allows the magnesium in this case to be delivered in a way that your body can't break up during digestion. So it actually is, you know, something your body uses. I love their Metabolic Health, which is a newer supplement. So this is a daily metabolism booster that supports appetite control, fat metabolism, and supports and helps metabolic function, which has been really, really helpful for me in my new 2023 vision of being the healthiest, hottest version of me. I've loved having their Metabolic Health as a new staple. It is so helpful because metabolism is so important. And what's great at Symbiotica is that you can create custom bundle subscriptions. And I've actually found this to be super helpful because all of a sudden I'll run out of like my favorite and daily supplements. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. Like now I have to wait a week to get it. So I have my custom bundle coming every single month. And if you bundle, you can get up to 30% off. Plus we have a code, which is crazy. 30. And at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off your purchase. So you can get up to 45% off, which is insane, and you must take advantage. So go to symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. And use the code ALMOST30 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. One more time, symbiotica.com. Use the code ALMOST30 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Make sure you bundle because you might get 45% off. We're going to get into numerology in a moment, but I want to round out our astrology conversation with Saturn return. So I I didn't know you're in it now, which is so powerful. And anytime someone's going through their Saturn return, I'm like, I feel honored to be in their presence because I just know how big of a deal it is. And I'm just like, oh, like, wow, such a big time for you. Yeah. 
can we share with everyone one, like where can they look in their chart to get some sort of guidance and or like breath of of fresh air or hope mm-hmm. in this time? Because it can be so chaotic. And if you want to set up just briefly kind of what the Saturn return is, that's totally fine too. too. Most people know, but okay. we got some newbies here. Okay. The Saturn return is when Saturn comes back into the sign that it was when you were born. And so what I always like to say, it's like returning to sender. We come back to the original point, the lesson that our soul, oh, it was born knowing we had to figure this thing out one day. And we recognize at 29, wow, have I been ignoring, pushing away this very, very important, crucial life milestone. So as dramatic as it sounds, you're meeting your maker at 29. You are coming home to sender, but it's very difficult because you have to undo 29 years of society, patriarchy, white supremacy, all of these things tearing us away. I just watched this amazing interview with Viola Davis. She went on Hot Ones, you know, that that show yes. where they eat hot wings. And uh, <laughs> her, she was so profound while eating these hot wings. But what she said is she feels like the whole purpose of life is the hero's journey of the hero goes out and they, you know, lose themselves. They go through all of these difficult things. And the only quest that they are actually on is just coming back to who they originally were. And I think that's what a Saturn return is, is you just remember you wake up and you're like, whoa, have I been forgetting? I forgot. I But I knew I knew the moment that I was born who I was. But the world makes it so hard to be yourself. So. Saturn, the way I like to describe it to people, and by the way, this happens for everyone at 29, not just me and not just you, everyone at 29. And Saturn in astrology is a feared planet, but I don't think we should fear it. It's the great teacher. It's the one that absolutely has our best interest in mind. And it says, I'm so sorry what has been done to you, but I need you to do better. So it's kind of compassion with mm-hmm. accountability. And um and, and also this notion of you're, you know, at 29, I think it's really common outside of astrology to be like, Fuck, I'm the only person who's going to make my life a success or oh a failure. God. I know. Right. It's, it's that moment where you're like, if I want to be healthy, I got to be healthy. If I want to be successful, I got to go do some work. So I think Saturn is is about reparenting. And and then lastly, to your point around like, where can we look in the chart for hope or, you know, whatever? Because by the way, I'm sure you guys understand the Saturn return is kind of dark and it's a yeah. dark night of the soul for many of us for other people it's just like a breakdown other people to break through everyone navigates saturn in a different way some people love saturn some people have great saturn totally returns, by the way. yeah if they've been themselves the whole time <laughs> they're like whatever guys i don't know what you're talking about or they might just be someone who loves self-work it's just someone yes. who's like bring it on like i fucking <laughs> love taking inventory so anyways totally. that's a bit of a sidebar <laughs> so just know you don't have to hate your saturn return but many of us find it very very difficult mm. so if you're looking for hope with like what is the north star here google the qualities of your saturn sign mm-hmm. so i can kind of do this off in a riff because I I can kind of gauge the age of your audience for the most part. Yes. Granted, we have some outliers, but let's say you're an older millennial, you have Saturn and Sagittarius. Let's say you're a middle-aged millennial, you have Saturn and Capricorn. If you're a younger millennial, you have Saturn and Aquarius. And I'm not quite sure, but I think maybe even youngest millennials are Saturn and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Google the sign that you're 
uh, Saturn is in and look to what qualities you're going to begin embodying after you do all this work. So an example being uh, like Saturn Aquarius, which is what my age group is going through right now. The pain is that we have to recognize all the sides of ourselves that we said were weird, lame. Oh, that's too queer. I can't go there. I don't want to be an outsider. I need to be an insider. That's so painful to look at the parts of yourself that maybe in middle school, as young as elementary school, middle school, high school, within your family, outside your family, you decided were too weird. And I put that in air quotes. And then, but the gifts of it is like the highest manifestation of Aquarius is saying to be an quote unquote insider, you have to be an outsider. To belong to humanity, you have to understand that we're all so weird and we're all so unique. Mm -hmm. And every quality that we think is so shameful is the very thing that connects us to the rest of us. I'm sure you experience this on the podcast all the time. Every time you guys talk about a topic that you feel like is so shameful, suddenly get an outpouring of support from others. That's so Aquarian. And so, yeah, long story short is Google the quality of that sign. Just Google what is Pisces or what is Aquarius? What is Capricorn? And then recognize if I'm willing to look at the ways I've rejected this sign, then one day I'll begin to embody this sign. And that's maybe one of the most important things I'll ever have to go through in life. Wow. Wow. So you're looking at the sign that your Saturn is in. And this is kind of what you are going to embody more of after your Saturn return forever or just for a certain depending. depending. So one of my favorite things to consider with astrology is determinism versus self-will. And I'm a huge believer that it's a dance of both. And so it's up to you. How much do you want to integrate the sign? How much do you want to meet your maker? How much are you willing to listen to Saturn? Yeah. Saturn's kind of subtle. Saturn's kind of like, I think you could do better. I'm not going to knock at your door again, though. I'm not going to oh, bug you for no. another 29 years. So if you would like to do this dance with me, I will make your life so much more integrated. If you don't, I'll see you in another 29 years. Wow. And so that's why if you think about past generations, our parents being one of them boomers, but I think especially about the generation prior, they couldn't integrate Saturn in many ways because in some ways they were so forced to be Saturnian, meaning unself-expressed. Yes. And I think about the damage that that does and, you know, the, all the cliches of the midlife crisis. Oh. I think that that is 100% someone who did not choose to meet their maker at 29 and they had to meet them again at 56. Yes. Say no more. I mean, I feel like we see that all the time. And I think about our parents' generation. And I was thinking about my parents are in their early to mid 60s now, but I was thinking about their Saturn return, second Saturn return time. And I'm like, what was happening then? Yeah. A few things like were notable. And I was like, huh, okay. And to your point of that generation not being able to really face what was coming up Mm -hmm. at during their first Saturn return is so true. And, you know, that's why as hard as your Saturn return is, I am thankful that we're living at a time now that these conversations are a bit more common, that self-help and all of these things are much less taboo and it's really mainstream now. And that, yeah, I just, I'm thankful because I think about the older generations and I'm like, you didn't really have the resources, the permission, you know, like that was definitely frowned upon. Millennials, for all the faults that we have, I think we can take some credit for that. And that's because we're born with Pluto and Scorpio, which is uh, we literally are Plutonian. Pluto is 
rules Scorpio. Scorpio is ruled by Pluto. We are the the epitome of Pluto. So we say, what about mental health? What about trauma? And that's why we're called snowflakes, right? Because everyone's like, oh, boo-hoo. And we're like, but I think I could be a nicer, more capable person if I was willing to look at all this. Boomers generally regard Pluto and Virgo, which is a trauma around perfectionism, a trauma around workaholism. And so I just, it, when I looked at it, it gave me such immense compassion for my parents because I was like, we don't have the same ingredients. Literally, you and I, we were born into like this sea of people who wanted to do the same thing. All of us to varying degrees, of course. We all do want to look at the hard things. Yes. And I think that I hope that millennials get some credit for that as time goes on. And so, yeah, long story short, yes. it's like there's just generational patterns. And that brings me some hope and some solace of like, each of us has a thing that we're going to offer the world. We don't have to solve every crisis, but perhaps as millennials, looking at the tough stuff might just be the the highest manifestation of what we could do yeah. as a generation. So fascinating. Yeah. I've never I've never heard that before. Just the different um, having Pluto in the different signs and what that means for a gener. I mean, that is that is fascinating. Okay, I want to pivot a little Please. bit numerology baby so we have not talked about numerology on the podcast period that's pretty crazy cool. after this is probably going to be over 600 episodes at this point oh my god isn't that crazy by the way congratulations that's insane oh, thank you thank you yeah it's been a wild ride but yeah we've never talked about it so i want to break it down what is it and of course how do we find out what our numerology is are there different numbers correlating to different aspects of our life. I would love to get into it. Yeah. And luckily, there's really mostly nine numbers. So I think I could literally walk us through each one of them. Unlike astrology, it's just too much to go over in one yes. episode. But so numerology, firstly, there's a million different types of numerology. So just know I'm going to paint with like a super broad brush. Mm -hmm. So it is a form of divination, which is just a fancy word for like trying to understand both how life is working and how it might work in the future. But I think that it's a really interesting one where I think a lot of us can relate to it. We're all kind of spooked out by numbers. We're like 1111 or I can't tell you how many clients say I see the number three all the time. And so to put it in a really, really mundane context, I just think numerology is a confirmation for each of us that it's okay to be attracted to a number. Think about us in sports teams. Oh. You know, right? We're all like, I need the number 13. Like, I'm going to be so pissed if that girl takes my jersey. <laughs> and I think that that's numerology is like, yes. and so what I found really healing about it is I'm born on January 23rd. So one, two, three is whenever I see that on a like a license oh, wow. plate, whenever I see that somewhere, it makes me feel like I'm right on schedule. Like it makes me feel like the universe is like, yep, you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And it was when I started studying numerology, I was like, oh, this is so relieving that I'm not just some like woo-woo, you know, finding meaning in things that there's no meaning behind. So I think it gives us each a massive invitation to say you should and could be attracted to numbers for a reason. Your birthday number matters. You know, uh, the time that you were born matters. What other things about numbers? Um, yeah, just like any. Oh. The house that you grew up in, the street number could matter. Like I moved once a year, every year when I lived in New York. So I moved about six times within six years. New York life. New York life. And so the street number always really mattered to me. And I reflected upon hindsight of really what each of those apartments meant for me and what they were kind of trying to heal within me. I think homes can be very healing, but also mm -hmm. triggering for some reason. Long mm -hmm. story short is um, 
it's just a study of numbers and just what the symbology, the symbolism might mean for each of us. Yes. And there's so many qualities to each of the numbers. And so just know that like with astrology, it's so easy to be like, you know, Capricorns are one way. There is 80,000 adjectives to describe Capricorn that we just don't have time to go over. So just know I'm going to have to generalize for each number. There's a lot of depths to every number. Mm-hmm. Should I go through that one? Yeah, I would love it. Okay. And uh, sorry, before we Please. do that generally, and I, I looked it up, who knows what I was looking at? Yeah. How do you figure, are there different ways to figure out Great different numbers question. or is there one number for them all or Great what's question. happening? So in general, numerology works with nine numbers. And so, for example, you might be born on November 13th. That's not a one digit number. So you do have to do addition for numerology to get to the point of simplifying to one through nine. And so but there's many different ways you could add up a number, right? So let's say you're born on November 13th. You could Mm -hmm. do one plus one plus one plus three. Or you could do right. 11 plus 13, and those might come up with different numbers. Very likely they will. Oh, interesting. So this actually <laughs> relates back to my book. So to find your birthday number, your personality reading of a number, you do the one, you break all the numbers mm-hmm. up. So you do one plus one plus one plus three. For my book, which is not your personality reading, it's your journey. It's 11 plus 13, at least how I decided I thought the numbers wanted to be added. Cool. So what I always like to tell people is if you Google numerology, it will make it sound like there's only one way you can add up numbers. I think that's so limiting. And I also think that's kind of BS. I think that the universe is a genius. I think it has hidden signs and patterns within Mm -hmm. everything. So ask yourself how you would like to add up your numbers. And I think even you can begin to decide what they mean for you. So anyways, um. But so let's say you get a number like 26. You That's when you add up the numbers. That's what you get to. Then you have to do two plus six, which is how you get to eight. Okay, got it. And if it was like 82, eight plus two is 10, but then one plus zero is one. Is that how you do it? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and then for sake of conversation, just if people want to geek out about this, there are what's called master numbers. I don't necessarily work with them because I kind of feel like I don't like the concept of some number being more powerful than another, but some numerologists really do work with that. It's 11, surprise, surprise, 11, 11, Mm -hmm. and I believe 22. So just if you're a numerologist listening to this and you're like, like, mention the master numbers, there is such thing as master numbers. Okay. One question before we go into each number. So are we only ever adding up your birth date or are we adding up Anything. Anything. Anniversaries. Interesting. Okay. Um, Okay. The date your parent died. Mm. Interesting. The day that you started a new program. Interesting, right? The day you got got sober. Interesting. So really any date you could add up. Uh, Like I said, street numbers. Uh, My invitation to you is like, what numbers have intrigued you? Phone numbers can intrigue people. They don't intrigue me. But for some people, their cell phone number really is interesting to them. So just thinking about that. Okay, cool. All right, let's break it down. Okay. So the number one is kind of obvious, just to the extent that it's the first, right? And so it's about autonomy, and it's about doing things on your own, and it's about a self-led path, and it's about a person who might like to differentiate. They might like to be someone Mm -hmm. who's like, I am me. I am this singular person. It also can be attributed to like someone who's very hell-bent on a singular path. 
So it might be someone where they, for example, like, and I don't think it's his numerology, but Steve Jobs, just almost that laser focus of like, no one can deter me from what I'm doing. So yeah. it can be almost like a fierceness to the number one. And then lastly, just manifestation and just this concept of turning nothing into something mm-hmm. is a very one type number. So, you know, first generation being the first person in your family to do something, I don't know, professionally or the first person within your family not to have kids. That's a very number one type of operation for someone. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I, I'm like guessing different celebrities. I'm like, yeah. is Kanye a one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get it. Done. Yeah, we yeah. won't. <laughs> Too complicated. All right. Two. Two. Two is about balance. It's about this concept of two hands are better than one not a lifetime or a person to be spent in solace. It's the opposite of the number one in many ways. One plus one equals two. And it's a lot about figuring out how to take the middle road in life. So I think that's actually been, it's not my number. It's been a huge theme in my life of like getting out of black and white thinking. I find that for me in any type of recovery setting, balance is always the answer. So for example, I used to have eating disorders. For me, the answer is not anything extreme. It's always, it should be healthy Mm. and it should be enjoyable, right? I think the two for some people can be infuriating because it's like, what the, I want to be in extremes. I don't want to have to live in the number two, but it's a profound teacher and healer. Selena Gomez's journey, for example, is the number two. And I think a lot about her like lupus diagnosis and how the body is asking her to slow down. And I think that can be the path of the number two. Wow. Three is a lot about small community. So it's a lot about, um, I imagine, like three friends at a sleepover talking till the sun comes Mm -hmm. up. And I think about collaboration. I think about how the best Uh, things that we can do in life very rarely are done completely on our own. So for me, like having a publisher, I've only ever worked completely alone. It was really uncomfortable for me. But holy cow, having an editor, having a team, profound. Yes. So yeah, the number three is just about inviting other people and in the ways in which we can. Another concept for three is I need to learn new things. So like I might be an astrologer, but I need to learn numerology and tarot. I don't want to just stay in one thing. So it's kind of just about moving our stuff outward. For my book, The Journey of Barack Obama is three. And I think about, I of course did not work with him. I would imagine he might have been quite a collaborative president. So Mm. someone who really knew getting outside, you know, consulting others is important and like other presidents that we've had. Mm -hmm. Then number four. Number four is a lot about grounding and potentially reparenting. So it's someone who either embodies the sense of home within themselves or they need to pursue home in some degree or another. But it's also about when it comes to reparenting, there's a softness to it and a toughness to the number Mm. four. So it can be attributed to discipline of saying, if I'm actually going to be a loving parent to myself, I'm not going to stay up till 5 a.m., you know, doing whatever, playing video games or something. Potentially I'll play video games until 10 p.m. and then I'll shut off all my stuff and I'll meditate and I'll read. That's a lot of the number four is figuring out grounding and the ways in which you can parent yourself in a, in a really kind of lovingly disciplined way. And it's a lot about behind the scenes work. So this idea of kind mm. of like we what we do behind closed doors might matter more than what we do in the public. It's the opposite of the concept of 10, even though 10 is not a numerology number. Anyways, five, Mm -hmm. five is a lot about courage. So it's really one of the most dramatic of the numbers. It's, you know, five is my natural number. It's natural number. 
um, birthday number, meaning my personality reading. Got it. Personality. My journey. Okay. Um, But yeah, so the number five is a lot about what are the ways in which we can just speak and share off the cuff, you know, not having to overanalyze, overthink. It's courage. It's kind of saying I'm not afraid to disagree. It's a little bit fiery. Mm -hmm. Um, And but it can also lead to conflict. So we have to be very, very measured with the number five. So you know, uh, honesty without compassion is cruelty. That's the number five's, I think, shadow side is being far too courageous in some yeah. ways to the point of being harmful to others. But yeah, the number five is a lot about creativity, cur- courage, and just kind of embodying the authentic self. And then number six is so much about service. So it's a lot about, it's kind of Virgo-ish. Mm. It's a lot about humility. It's a lot about being measured. It's a lot about thoughtful action. And it's also a lot about like, what would we do? How would service look if we never got any credit for it? Because that's true service, right? Is it's one thing to make a hefty donation and then post on your Instagram and a bunch of people are like, wow, you're such a good person. The six is a lot about, I think I'm just going to do that and not tell a soul because I just felt called to do that. So six, if you get that as a number, you're seeing six around. I want you to think about what is the behind the scenes service that I really need? What would my heart you know, we've, how could you feel about yourself when you just do something not for the sake of how it appears, but just because it feels good to you? Yes. That's the six. Yeah, we forget that that is an option. <laughs> but like, but Instagram story. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The number seven is a lot about interpersonal relationships. So figuring out how can I be uh, incisive, objective, and clear whilst in relationship with others. So, you know, this concept of like, I need to get to know myself. That's beautiful to 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 be single for many years. It's beautiful to isolate and just have to heal and, and get to know yourself. But I think one of the greater challenges becomes, but what about when I get into my next relationship? Can I take all of this self-knowledge and, and be forthright with another person and yes. put it on the table? And so I think seven is a lot about the fact that like, We need to be sure of ourselves in order to have clear relationships with other people. And so another theme for the number seven is commitment of saying, I can commit to you because I know who I am. When we make false commitments because we're uncertain or we're like, maybe I think my parents want me to marry this person. That's a very faulty Mm -hmm. seven. And seven ideally is just this gut punch of like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to pursue it to the death. So seven is incredibly in some ways sure of itself, ideally. Eight is, of you know, think about the shape of an, it's like an infinity symbol. Eight is complicated, but it's gorgeous. It's a lot like the sign of Scorpio. It's about wealth and abundance. So it's, you know, and for example, in Chinese culture, it's really considered the, one of the luckiest numbers. And so when a child's born with the number eight, they're like, oh my gosh, they're going to be a <laughs> And But I think the way I like to interpret eight is there's a wealth that comes from unearthing the sides of ourselves that we consider shameful. So I don't know if you ever met someone, I certainly have at least in a moment in their life where you're like, you are so self-embodied and you seem like the richest person in the world because you are comfortable with every ounce of your being. That's really the number eight. Another thing about the number eight is think about a round kind of like organic shape of eight. Mm. It takes up a lot of space, right? The box that it surrounds has to be bigger than other. Like, for example, the number one actually doesn't have to take up a ton of space. Sure. Number eight 
is that moment in our life where we decide, I don't want to starve myself. I want to grow into what my body wants to be. It's uncomfortable when someone gains weight because you're literally taking up more space in the world. I think the eights is gorgeous reminder that symbolically or literally taking up space in the world is wealth, is the moment where we say I have riches. But then, yes, you could interpret it as wealth if you want to, like from Mm -hmm. a financial standpoint. (laughs) I'm just not into that personally. Um, And then the final number is nine. And nine is a lot like Sagittarius. It's about higher truths. It's actually really, you know, if you think about the order of one through nine, maybe theoretically nine is about transcendence. Nine Mm -hmm. is about that moment in life where we say, I think that I'm independent, balanced, you know, et cetera, all through the numbers. I think I'm self-embodied. And now I want to understand how this thing works. I want to seek higher truths. I want to have a zoomed out perspective of, of the spiritual practices of the universe itself. I want to just go be a seeker of truth and knowledge. And so the number nine is very often attributed with wisdom, mm. but also humility. So this concept of like usually the best teachers say, I don't know, I'm not sure. And so the nine has, if you see the number nine in your life, it might be a really welcome invitation to know that the wisest thing you can do right now is go try and understand rather than having the answer, rather than being the five, which mm-hmm. is about telling people what you think. It might be a moment to to kind of go on a spiritual journey and figure out what the hell you're supposed to learn in this life. So those are the numbers. Oh, okay. Thank you for that breakdown. Yes. Super, super good. So I just want to be clear as people are like, oh my God, okay, what is my number? Uh-huh. So are we doing a different type of calculation for different, like you mentioned your journey, Mm -hmm. then there's a personality of those two different things. And are you pulling different numbers? I'm getting a little nitty gritty, but I know people are going to want to know. I think so for my book, yes. I don't think I can pervasively say that's true for all of numerology because again, everyone can have their take on it. But I think the most simple thing to share with people is just start with your personality reading. Mm-hmm. And so just take your birthday and and separate them into singular numbers. So again, if you're December 13th, one plus one plus one plus three, and then figure out what your birthday number is. I think that's a fantastic place to start. Do you include the year? Some people do. I don't. Okay, cool. I just like the birthday. Simple. But, but if maybe the way to look at it is like, well, if you only do just your birthday, then you're coming up with a number that you share with everyone else born on your birthday. So it's maybe less personal. If you add in the year, then potentially it narrows down the group of people even more. Uh And so I think maybe just getting more specific might be adding in the the year if you want to get even crazier specific at the time. You know what I mean? So it it could go on and on and on. So that's fascinating. And it really puts the, there's like an intuitive piece of the person that's exploring this for themselves. So it's like intuitively adding the numbers in a certain, because you can add them in different ways. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the book. I'm sure. so excited. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Let me just say, I, when I was just perusing your Instagram, I'm like, man, and you still create your everything. Yeah. Man, oh man. And how fun, and I, this is me projecting onto you, but how fun it must be to one, have that talent of graphic <laughs> design and design and then channel it you know, in what you do now. It's just so beautiful. Um, And I think beauty is something that maybe it's my Virgo, maybe it's part of my Libra, I don't really know. But I just really appreciate when there is just this, yeah, there's heart in the design. Like I know Mm -hmm. that it's like a channeling as well as the astrology. So 
It's just so fun to take in. I love that. Let's talk book. What can people expect? So it's a beast. It's 800 pages. And I love big books I like love that. big books too. So have you heard of the birthday book? Yes. So imagine the birthday book, but instead of just your personality reading, it's also a daily reader. Cool. And it's not about your personality. It's about the journey of your birthday, which is your soul's journey. And then the, so imagine there's a two pages for every day of the year. And on the left-hand side, it tells you about the journey of that day. So you wake mm-hmm. up, you open the book, and you're like, what does October 19th have in store for me? And, you know, especially I'm sure everyone on your podcast, why, why else would you listen to Almost 30 if you weren't a seeker? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that left-hand page begs the question of, if I were to be in spiritual flow today, what could I be aligned with? So what I really didn't want to do in the book was predict things. I did not want it to be yeah. formulaic or to be like, this is who you are and this is exactly what you're doing. And these are just, so it's the numerology, astrology, and tarot of the day. These are just forces you can dance with if you want to. I gave them names. So for example, the number six, I call uh, devotion. And so I'm like, you'll meet devotion today. And I'll explain what you could do with devotion. You don't have to do anything. It's not predictive. There's self-will involved here. And then it's like the six of swords, which I called transition. You you will meet transition today. If you would like to part ways with the way of being, you know, here are some things that you could do for that. And then on that page, there's journal prompts. There's a mantra for the day. And then there's celebrities born on that day, but not celebrities in the way you and I think about them. It was really, really crucial to me to choose people that we might not have heard of. Uh, not So I had one very maybe classic celebrity and then two people that I really think you should know about if you haven't heard of them before. Cool. Yes. Love and, that. And then the right-hand page, which was really my favorite part of the book, even though, of course, I love all of it, is the detail of that person's birthday's journey. And so, for example, to use the same analogy, it's this notion of like in this lifetime, very early on in life, you will meet devotion and devotion will ask you, you don't have to do it, but devotion will ask you, can you lead a life of service? Could you be someone where you lead from the heart rather than from the head? And then eventually over time, you're going to meet your greatest teacher transition and transition is going to ask you to part ways with old ways of being. It will be uncomfortable. It'll be sticky. Mm. But if you do it, one day you might eventually meet choice, which is the lovers. And the lovers will teach you that in every moment in life, you have a choice to choose love or hate. You can choose anger or you can choose peace. And it's up to you how you would like to live this lifetime. So the right-hand page to me is my love letter to each of you of like, it's not your successes nor your failures that are that interesting. It's about the journey that it took you to get there. So you know when like someone writes a, a book and they're kind of sitting on the treetop of, or the hilltop and they're like, look at all the things I learned. That's so cool. But I think what I'm most interested in is I would love for people to write books when they're in the journey, yes. when they're not at the destination. Yes. And so I think this book really is glorifies the fact that I think that it's the process that's far mm. more interesting than the beginning or the end of something. So it does it for every day of the year and then every birthday of the year. Oh, how cool. I feel like we've been <laughs> waiting for a book like this for a long time because I remember the birthdays book. My grandmother had it. <laughs> so I it, love the birthday It's book. fun. Yes. And like everyone thought she was like crazy. And I always was so fascinated with yeah. what she had to say about it birthdays. Um, so this is really, really exciting. This is kind of one of those books and I'm I have so many books and I love to keep kind of a little 
batch beside my bed so that I can just kind of randomly pick up. So this is one that I'm going to add to my my bedside. Want to just add one more yes. thing about the book? It will not sit with you the way that a personality reading does. So mm-hmm. you'll, because when I even read mine, I was like, ooh, in the sense of it won't land with you like astrology does where you're like, oh, wow, that's so me. That's not the point of it. It's the journey. And so it'll hit you sideways where you're kind of like, yeah. And so mm. I just want to say that for readers of like, I don't expect you to read it and think that's me. I want you to read it and think, oh, that is so true for what I'm trying to be learning in yes. this life. So I just want to add that. And really puts, you know, the it, it creates a sovereignty, yeah. you know, because, again, we're not seeking the tell me who I am. Yes. It's more so little pieces of information slash things to think about related to our journey and being like, huh, how can I either apply it to what I'm going through or kind of work with it? So I love that. I feel like that is very Aquarian of you. I've loved this so much. I'm excited for people to get the book. Uh, Is it out now? When is it out? It's out November 1st. It's with Penguin Random House. Beautiful. Where can people get it specifically just so? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, all the things. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I've loved this. I hope to do it again. You're welcome. It's been a blast. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much, Nadine Jane. Again, the book is Magic Days. I love it so much. I have it on my bedside table. It makes a great gift. I don't know if you have any people's birthdays coming up or just want to do a a little surprise so what's that called surprise delight and surprise surprise and delight surprise and delight S&D. someone uh you can go to nadine jane astrology.com and you can follow us on instagram we're on tiktok at almost 30 podcast in both places we share clips from the show on tiktok that are just bomb.com Powerful. and finally if you haven't subscribed to our new podcast morning microdose please do so now. It's a great way to start your day. We release an episode every day of the week. So Monday through Friday, and you get inspiration, laughs, you can just get curious about things in five to 15 minutes. So we just wanted to give you a little dose. Yeah, a little dose, baby. Thanks for being a part of our lives and community. We are so grateful for you. You're the best. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Bye. Bye.